Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to His Word being preached. I was going to preach about something else, and then uh, when, um, when we were on the camp last week, and I started like the Lord, I felt like the Lord started speaking to me about, about rest, um, and about His rest, and about resting in Him, and then uh, my wife, Lauren, uh, told me on Monday, love, I think you should preach on rest, so I was like, okay, cool, so that's... That's, that's confirmation. So I'm excited about what God wants to do tonight. Um, when you ask people how they are, you know, we you know, walk past a colleague or maybe you're seeing someone at small group or you you know, bumping into someone unexpectedly and you haven't seen each other for a while and you, um, you ask them how they are, especially in Joburg and especially this time of year. What's the most common response? Busy. Tired, I heard tired. What's that? Holiday, I need a holiday. Hey? Was there another submission of an answer somewhere over there in the crowd? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, I think, from my experience when I ask people, and, and to be honest, often when I respond to that question, I'm like, it's busy, you know? It's like, go, 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 and it's full, and we had a full week, and we need to rest, and... Um, it's just easy to get busy, right? And to get cluttered and to get a lot of stuff going on and to be tired all the time and to be rushing from the one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. Especially in, um, in the city of ours. I mean, there are many things that we love about Joburg and, and about Santon, but there's so much happening. There's so many things you can get involved in. There's so many things you could attend. There's so many brides and corporate functions and park runs and all of these things, all of them, most of them good things, but it's easy to just get caught up in all of that, right? And to be really busy um, and to become tired. Um, I was, Lauren and I, um, every now and then, we, who of you knows that the good wife the series, a couple of us in the house. Um, so every now and then, Lauren and I will watch a series or, or episode of The Good Wife, and that's you know it's just seems like all the series is like a legal drama these days, right? But um, this is also one of those. And this woman, Alicia, she they they break away from their um, original firm and they sort of start their own their own firm, Alicia and Kerry Argos, and. Um, and then they're sort of having a bit of a, um, we watched an episode the other night, and they're having a bit of a, a disagreement. Um, they, they're arguing about something, and, and um, she feels like they should merge with this other law firm. Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, then one, two. Sorry. <laughs> but um, <laughs> too late. <laughs> so she's like, she feels I need to merge with this big firm, and Kerry Argos is like, no, you know, this is our startup and it's going to mess up, mess up our culture. And um, I was like, I don't know, law firms care about culture, but okay. Um, and they're having this conversation and eventually she says, I'm just tired, you know, I'm just, 
I'm just tired of getting up and having to fight, you know, and the other law firms that are trying to put us out of business and we have to pay salaries at the end of the month and we haven't built up a solid client base and there's just so much going on and I'm just tired. And he says such a profound thing to her. He says to her, you're not tired because of work. And uh, then she just kind of like, it hits her, you know, and you can see that uh, something, something has been triggered um, and there's, I'm not going to spoil all the rest of the story. The reason, sorry, Nanya, I hope you'll forgive me. Um, the reason for the rest of the, of the, um, the actual reason why she's tired, but it's, it's not actually because of work. She's putting it down to work, but there's actually something else that's going on below. Um, whoever you have seen the movie Chariots of Fire... Great. Uh, it's a great movie. I recommend it. Go and watch it. Um, Chariots of Fire is based on a true story. It's based on... Um, uh, it mostly centers around this guy, Eric Little. I forget what the, the other main guy's name is. But Eric Little was a very, um, was a very solid Christian from Scotland. And he was a sprinter and he was the, the, the favorite to win the Olympics um, that had come up. Um, I forget the year. And so he's, you know, training hard, and, he, and his whole thing is like he runs to the glory of God. Um, that's his thing, and, and he's known for that, actually. Um, but he also, not from a legalistic point of view, but just from a principle point of view and a personal conviction, he had decided quite early on in his life that he would not compete on a Sunday, um, you know, to honor the principle of rest. Um, and then the Olympics come, and he realizes that his race, the medal race, falls on a Sunday. And he's a favorite to win, right? And that's what he's been driving for. This is his main thing. And then he pulls out. He says, I'm sorry, uh, but he's not going to pot- uh, participate in that race. And I think he actually enters in for another item. Um, and he ends up winning that other item, um, which is amazing. But his, his arrival, it was sort of between these two guys, and the other guy was, was an English Jew, and um, he, he was, you know, you could see this drivenness inside of him, you know, this like hard determination, um, and there was this whole rivalry and this tension building up between them, and Eric Little just didn't really engage, and they were interviewing this guy um, before he ran the race, and they're like, what motivates you, you know, what drives you for that? And he says... I have 10 seconds to justify my existence. And that was his reason for running. All right? He's, um, he needs to justify his existence somehow and that, that drive. And even when he eventually won the gold medal, it wasn't enough, right? He still was not content. Um, it, it didn't fill that thing that he thought it would fill. And... Um, it just speaks of, you know, often we, we say we're busy with a lot of things, and, and that may be true, and it might be important to actually say no to some of those things and to step away and to just draw boundaries and, and be clear about what we're involved with and, and when. But below that, there's something more important. There's an internal rest that we either have or don't have. Um, Timothy Keller, um, he, he, he did an amazing sermon on, on work and rest, and I'd recommend it for any of you who are... Who are um, interested. He, but he speaks about, um, there's actually this, this journalist for the New York, New York Times um, that writes about 
she's not a Christian, but she writes about um, the eternal inner murmurings that drives us. Um, and it comes down to this need to prove ourselves somehow, to justify our existence, to just do enough, just to do more. I mean, who of you, who of you often feel like, I'm not doing enough at the moment, right? And it's this drive that I need to, I need to somehow prove myself. It's this eternal inner murmuring. Um, so it's actually the work beneath the work. And no matter how hard we work and how much we do, it's, it's never actually enough. And there's a couple of symptoms about this, about not being in a place of that, um, that internal rest, it, um, internal rest, right? Um, a couple of things that I felt the Lord highlight to me is um, an inability to say no, right? So it's just really difficult for you. Whenever someone invites you somewhere or someone asks you to do something at work or whatever, you just you just find it really hard to say no. And often, even though you know you should say no and you feel like it's the right thing to say no and it's justified to say no, you, say, you end up saying yes, right? Someone can identify. <laughs> and... Um, I mean, I've, I've actually experienced this at work where I have applied this, this principle and, and I really come to work rested and then everyone else is so like, go, go, go and they're overwhelmed, they're not rested and they're like, whatever. And I feel like, I, well, I can't say that I've, I actually feel rested, you know, because then they're going to feel like I don't pull my weight, you know, so I'm just, you know, busy, you know, it's hectic and, you know, it's just... <laughs> It's crazy and need a holiday and all of those things that we say when we respond. But it actually has very little to do with how much is going on externally. It's about that position of the heart, right? Um, so an inability to say no, a struggle to be present, right? You just sometimes, often it's really difficult for you to just be where you are, to fully be there and to engage, with the person in front of you or the people in front of you. It's so always playing, replaying what happened at work, always planning what still needs to happen tomorrow or the next week, always being distracted, always thinking ahead or thinking back or assessing or analyzing what you just did or what you still must do. And it's really difficult to just, just be there and be completely there, wholly there, um, wholly with a W, and, um, and be present, Right? Um, with that person or with those people. It can also show up as um, being driven by a need to, um, for approval, of earning others' approval, um, or a need to please, whether it be a boss, whether it be a spouse, whether it be kids, whether it be a friend, whether it be a colleague, it could be anyone, but that those actions and that planning and that Stuff that we do is just driven by um, somehow wanting to just hear someone say, you know, you're okay, like you did a good job, you know. And even when they say that, we feel like we need to maintain it so that they'll say it again. Um, and that's a problem with achieving things outside of God's rest is you have to maintain it outside of his rest, right? If you achieve a, a job or a promotion or something um, while not operating from that place of, of peace and rest, um, that's what you have to do to maintain it. Or you're maybe always busy <clears throat> whenever your calendar is just full, you know. There's never a spot available, and even when you're not busy, you feel busy, 
Um, and there's, there's um, just a lot going on all of the time. Um, and then decisions based on FOMO. Right? Who of us are familiar with FOMO? All right. Um, I'll educate the rest of you. Um, it's uh, the fear of missing out. Okay? It's an official thing. Um, and your decisions are actually driven by just being afraid of missing out, of not being there, of what if it's really cool and I wasn't there, you know? It was really fun or it was really meaningful or it was really whatever, and that's not part of my exposure in my life, you know? Or they'll talk about that and I can't relate. Um, and decisions are made based on that rather than decisions from a place of rest, right? Um, so those are just a couple of, a couple of things that came up for me, um, what it might look like practically when, when we're not in that place of rest and we're actually, we're actually striving, you know? It comes down to, to that striving, just that hard work that's outside of the Lord's grace, it's outside of the timing, it's outside of those things, and we're trying to do it in our own strength. Um, Hebrews has wonderful news, um, now that i got your attention. So <clears throat> Hebrews 4 says the following, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter into that rest, so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. And the context here is, um, he's quoting um, the Old Testament, and he's saying that um, <clears throat> he spoke about the Israelites not being able to enter into God's rest, um, and the rest is a metaphor for the promised land. Um, and, you know, many of us know that the, they spend 40 years um, in the promised land in circles um, because of this. They could not enter into his rest. Um, and they perished because of their example of disobedience. Um, historians tell us that the, the journey to the promised land from where they were in Egypt to Canaan was actually a 40-day journey um, if you had just walked to get there. But that 40 days turned into 40 years because of not entering to God's rest. Um, and the promised land actually becoming that rest. It's uh, something tangible as opposed to God's presence being our, our, our rest. And they had providence, they had provision, they had the quail and the manna. They had God's presence physically manifested to them all the time with either the cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night. Um, but they couldn't enter. And it actually speaks about their hearts were hardened because of their unbelief. And the Amplified says, um, a hard heart is unable to trust God and unable to rely on God for things. And they were relying on their own strength, right, um, to get into the promised land and to be free. And that hardened their hearts. It separated them from God. And because of their unbelief, they weren't able to enter into his rest. And that entire generation um, didn't make it, right? It was only the following generation that entered into the promised land. Um, but then, then the writer Paul here in the book of Hebrews goes on and he says, well, God again, after they entered the promised land, says, um, I've prepared a rest for my people. So the promised land couldn't have been the ultimate rest. The promised land was just a picture of, it was just a taste. It was just provisional to what the actual rest was that God had prepared for his people. And so he says, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also ceases from their works. 
all right, from, those, from that striving, from that work that, um, that's outside of his grace, that's outside of from a place of peace, just as God did from his, and we'll look at that in a moment. Let us therefore make every effort to enter into that rest. Um, the, the New King James Version actually says, um, let us be diligent to enter into his rest. All right, so it's not a passive thing, actually. It seems like a bit of a paradox, right? Um, let us make every effort to rest. Right? Work really hard so that you don't work, so that you cease from your dead works. So they, it's, it's something that's intentional, right? It's not something that just happens by chance. It's not passive. Um, there's a place of entering into God's rest and checking my heart and being like, Lord, am I, am I at rest with you? Am I experiencing that peace? The Amplified also speaks about the rest here. It defines rest as his inner peace. Right? Many of us will know from, from a, a, a humanistic point of view um, and sort of new age thinking and a lot of this self-healing and integrated living, a lot of that point of view speaks about finding your inner, inner peace, right? You've heard about that. Is it in Kung Fu Panda where they also speak about the inner peace? And when you achieve that, then, you know, you've achieved something and it's great or whatever. But... Um, this passage actually speaks about, it says his inner peace. He has prepared an inner peace for us that we can always live with, that we can always walk in, regardless of, regardless of what's going on externally. There's a place of rest when you really do have a massive load carrying at work, and there is going a lot outside of work, um, and also when it's quiet. I've, I've had times where I've, it's been some of the busiest and demanding and pressing times in my life, but I've I approached that from a, place of, from a place of resting in God, from a place of not trying to earn, not trying to prove, not striving to find something outside of His grace, but from resting in Him. But I've also been in times where it's been actually quite a chill time. It's actually not that demanding a season, but I'm not at rest, you know. There's that distractor, and you're all over the place, and you can't focus on God, and nothing is really that lacquer, and even when you do something... There's a sense of a lack of enjoyment of it because that rest is not, is not there. So it actually has very little to do with, with our external circumstances. Although we do sometimes just need to, to call a halt and become practical and say, I'm going to just stop everything and make time and make space to connect with God um, and to find that place of rest again and from, to move from there. Um, So it says in that scripture that um, to rest from our works just as God rested from his works, right? And when we look at Genesis, um, after God had finished the creation on the sixth day, it says, then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished, and on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Who had ever thought that this is a, perhaps a bit of a strange scripture? I mean, why? Was God tired? Why, why did he rest? Why did he need to rest after he completed creation? Does God get tired? No. Scripture tells us in Isaiah 40 that 
I, the Lord, I don't grow weary and I, I do not get tired. He has infinite capacity. He doesn't get tired or weary or burnt out or worn out. Um, he's a source of peace, right? But yet it says that he rested. How often have you heard people say, I have a, I have a colleague like this. I don't have many colleagues, so I shouldn't. But uh, <laughs> I have a colleague who, who says he doesn't need rest. Who of you have heard people say that? Who of you think that I don't need rest? I can just keep going. Seems like most of us are aware of our need for rest. Shauna, you also need rest. I see that hand. We need rest. Um, you know, if God, who doesn't grow weary or tired, said, I'm going to institute this day as a day of rest, that's important. And see what he says just before he rests. He says, um, every day after God had created something on the first day and the second day, he created the animals, etc., etc., he looked at it and he said, It is good. Um, at the end of the sixth day, when he had created man, he looked at everything that he had made and he said, very good. This, this is really good. And then he rested and he enjoyed what he did create. And it was a, it was a, it was a memorial. There's a point of celebrating and standing still and, and look at this. Let's enjoy and just, just get still for a moment lest we forget what's actually happening in this process. Right? So he said it's very good, and then he rested. It says, all, when all were finished, he rested. And then we go to the cross, right, in John 19, verse 13. And Jesus, when he had received the drink, he's hanging on the cross, he said, it is finished. Right? And with that, he bowed his head, and he gave up his spirit. The moment that he gave up his spirit, that he died on the cross, he said, it is finished. Right? Do you see the link? Genesis, God having said, when everything was finished, he said, this is good and I'm instituting rest. Jesus is saying at the cross, it is finished. And a lot of our striving and a lot of our working is coming from not resting, not knowing, not embracing that the cross, like it is finished. That's an absolute statement. It doesn't leave room for, there's still this that needs to be added. There's still, well, you just need to add your tithe, you know, and you, you just need to add um, your good moral standing, and you just need to add your track record of faithfulness, and, um, you know, the fact that you brought someone to salvation recently, and um, no, like it is finished. And there is incredible rest in that. That Jesus said, just when God said that creation was finished, it's beautiful, it's amazing, it's perfect. It's a representation of God's image and of heaven on earth. But then it was corrupted, right? By our stupid decisions to rebel against God. But then at the cross, he says, it is finished. And in Christ, we can really rest in the fact that it is finished. And there's nothing that can be added to the work that he did. All right. I am in my in my third year of university. I was um, I was I was on the house committee for one of the men's residences um, in Stellenbosch, and I yo I worked so hard to prove myself. Um, 
I really liked the res, and I liked the people in the res, and it was the biggest one and, and the best one. Sorry for you guys who were in um, <laughs> a bit more. But, um, <clears throat> you know, yo, I was really caught up in that. I remember in my third year, I was, I was the, the house committee member for, for UL, which is the, the big first year's event with all the, you know, the shows and the floats and all of that. I had to organize all of that, plus the UL tour where we had to find the money. I was also the, my other portfolio was um, uh, finances and sponsorships, which we needed for UL. So that was a big part of what I did. I was third year accounting student. Um, it was 21st year, so every weekend I had three 21sts. Um, I was a small group leader. I was in worship team. I was going on missions. I was, are you getting tired just as I'm? <laughs> and I was, I actually had bronchitis at one point, And um, we were initiating our first years in the mountain one night. Nothing dodgy. Um, but we were in the mountain. Uh, it was all good fun. But it was 3 o'clock in the morning while I had bronchitis. And I didn't click that perhaps, perhaps I'm operating outside of grace, you know. <laughs> Perhaps not all of this is healthy, but it was so driven by an intense need to show that I can make a worthy contribution, you know, and that I've earned my place here, and, and I like these guys, and I want them to like me as well, and, um, and I actually landed up in hospital as a result of that. I, I went to the doctor, and I was just, I was just pup, you know, and I, um, I had to go on a drip for like three or four days. I was in the hospital because my blood count was so low that I actually had to just receive um, that input to, to sort of recover. And um, the Lord just started to speak to me about this drive. He's like, what's, what's driving you? This, this isn't healthy, you know. You're okay. Like, I love you, you know. I like you. I approve of you. Um, you don't have to make a contribution to validate yourself. You don't have to tirelessly pursue these things, um, that are justifying your existence in a sense, right? And then God really started speaking to me, and one of the scriptures that really blessed me in that time was, was the following. Um, this is Jesus speaking in, in Matthew 11. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Just go back to the previous slide, thanks. Come to me and you will find rest for your souls. Unfortunately, often God just um, becomes another thing that we do. We have a list and on our list is is quiet time, right? Or on our list is intercession, or on our list is reading the scripture, you know, and, it, and it, it's, it becomes another thing that we do, and then we rest from the list, and we rest by watching The Good Wife, you know, or uh, going running, or whatever other escapism might appeal to you. Um, and there's, there's not so much anything wrong with any of those things, but Often we just find, or we, we try to find, those things actually never give us a true sense of rest, but we try to find rest in those things. And God is saying, no, I'm not part of all the other things. I'm not a part of the list. I am your rest. Um, the scripture, there's a scripture that says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart, right? It's such a crazy thought that we, 
that God is, is our delight, that, that He is our pleasure, that, that we can actually find pleasure and rest in God, that He's not part of all the other stuff that we do and we rest from that. He's, he's the place where we find enjoyment, where we find companionship, where we find peace, and we cease from striving, even if we're running at a million miles. You know, it feels like a lot of people these days are, a lot of my friends are working for Deloitte, which is a great company, but often when you work for Deloitte, there's a certain expectation in terms of workload, right? And a speed at which we need to run. I'm just making an example. It's true for others as well. And that's fine, you know, that's a season and God is calling you to be there and, and it needs to be excellent, but are you approaching that from a place of rest, right, and partnership with God as opposed to striving? Um, I want to look at just um, the same scripture from the message version. And um, I want you to close your eyes as I read this out. Um, it says... Are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I'm just going to read it again. Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You can open your eyes. So there is an invitation, right? There's an invitation from Jesus. This is such a beautiful way for me to put it. I will learn you how to take a real rest. Often we're like, okay, December is coming. I'm just going to, you know, beach and sun. That's going to sort me out. And then I'm going to be ready for next year. If that's what you're hoping is going to give you rest, you're going to start next year as tired as you are now, right? I'm going to show you how to take a real rest is what Jesus is saying. He doesn't say do nothing, be passive, sit in your room and just wait for the inner peace to dawn on you. He's saying, walk with me and work with me, right? I'll show you how it works. And that's a picture of the yoke and the, the burden, right? The yoke being the oxen that are pulling together. It's, it's not ill-fitting. It, it fits you. It's not uncomfortable. It's light because it's his burden. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. How often are we pushing for something or we're driving something or we're trying to make something happen that's not, God, that's not God's provision for now, right? And he's saying, no, 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 learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Walk with me and let's do this even if it's a hectic time. Let's approach this from a place of grace and experiencing his inner peace, right? So um, the ushers can get the, we're going to just enjoy communion together tonight. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just pray for us. Um, and then they're going to hand out the, the elements of the communion.
Yeah, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you say that we can come to you, Lord. We thank you that the veil was torn, Lord, and any hindrances, Father God, anything that um, prevented us from entering into your presence, Lord, has been broken down, Lord. We just declare that tonight in joy, Father. We thank you, Lord, that every hindrance, Lord, and everything that has prevented us from entering into your presence and connecting with you on a relational level, Father God, has been removed and abolished by your powerful blood that flowed on the cross. We thank you for that, Jesus. No, Lord Jesus, we just, that scripture that we've just read later on, it says that you are Lord of the Sabbath, which actually means that you are the champion of rest. You champion rest, Lord. You are the source of rest. You invented rest, Lord, and you are so ready, Lord, to have us enter into your rest, Lord, and experience your inner peace, Lord, and, and operate from that place, operate from a place of not striving, Lord, not ma- trying to make things happen in our own strength, not trying to prove ourselves, Lord, but in your timing, Father God, walking with you. Even if there are hectic things happening around us, Father God, thank you that you have prepared that place of rest for us, Lord. And even if we don't get it perfect, Lord, even if we still default to anxiety, Father God, and we default to striving, Lord, and we default to... Um, to pride, Lord, Father God. Thank you that there is grace for us to grow in that, Lord. You say, learn the unforced rhythms of grace, Father God. And tonight, we're saying, Lord, that it is our desire to enter into your rest, Lord. Even as we learn how to do that, Father God. And we thank you, Lord, just that it's a cross that made that rest possible for us, Father God, that, that made that rest available to us, Father God. Previously, Lord, there were so many, so many rules and regulations on what you had to do in observing the Sabbath that that actually even just became a heavy burden, Lord. But you didn't demolish that. You fulfilled those ceremonial laws, Father God, so that we can come to you freely, Lord, and experience rest in you, Father God. Not having hard hearts that are prone to unbelief, Lord, but having soft hearts, Lord, that, that is conducive to faith, Father God, and obeying you with a light and a free heart, Father. So we thank you for that rest, Lord. I just pray, Lord, over every person here tonight, Father God, I pray, Lord, that we will experience that rest as we go into this week, Lord, and beyond, Father God. I just pray, Lord, for such a knowledge, Lord, that you are with us, Father God, and that it is your desire for us to know that peace in everything, Father God. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that even as we struggle, Lord, Father God, even if we don't know practically how, Lord, that Holy Spirit, you are such a good teacher, um, and that you help us to grow in that, Father God, because we want to be in a place of rest where we're not being driven by other things, but where it's easy to respond to your voice, Lord, and when your presence carries us, Father. Yeah, Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Johannesburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.jobberg.